Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Not long ago, I came across an article entitled, Four Reasons Pastors Lack Work-Life Balance. I think this article was uh, in Baptist Press, but it had been picked up by them from another source, and I'm grateful for the people who are putting together this kind of material. It's always very helpful. I was fascinated by the reasons or the situations that were described which cause pastors and ministry leaders in general to struggle with work-life balance. Uh, The author listed four of these. First, the always-on phenomenon. Ministry leaders are expected to be on call 24-7. And even though uh, late-night phone calls and off-hour meetings don't happen often, it seems like that ministry leaders feel we have to always be ready for them, prepared to respond to them, and at a moment's notice, uh, willing to be involved in them. I know in my earliest pastoral ministry years, there were several of these that still stand out in my mind as opportunities where I uh, rushed into a situation and then later discovered perhaps it wasn't quite as big of an emergency as I thought, and certainly not as big of an emergency as the people who called me thought it was. Nevertheless, we struggle with this always-on phenomenon, and it's uh, it's really exacerbated by social media and the response time that people expect from us when something's posted on Twitter or Facebook or some other uh, source or it's, it comes to us as a text message. There's this sense that we're supposed to be uh, always available and to make quick responses on everything. So one of the reasons for this struggle of a work-life balance is the always-on phenomenon. Another one is what's called the jack-of-all-trades expectations. Uh, The call to pastoral ministry and to ministry leadership means that one day you're a preacher, the next day you're a teacher, the next day you're a counselor, uh, and the next day you're the plumber, or the next day you're the painter. You get the idea. Uh, You're either the bus driver or you're the camp counselor, or you're the cook, or something different, it seems, almost every day. And because of that sort of -of jack-of-all-trades mentality, it's hard uh, to cut away from or to step away from constant, consistent activity related to ministry. And it also creates uh, an unrealistic expectation because if you're all of these things, then that means that when you're not those things, that someone who expects you to be one of those things will be disappointed in you. So that's a second reason for this uh, work-life balance struggle. Another reason the author identified is that no week is typical. Uh, no one calls the pastor and says, hey, uh, this was a typical week for me. How are you doing? <laughs> no. Ministry leaders tend to get phone calls from people who are having difficulty or who are in crisis or who at least have a question. And even when they're getting contact from uh, ministry partners and from uh, ministry supporters, ministry leaders in their context, it's often about problems, dilemmas, or difficulties that need to be solved. I mean, I know that I serve as an elder in my local church, and we meet regularly. And when we meet we almost always talk about problems. It's what we do. 
And I think that the pastor doesn't have any place that he goes to a meeting, even with his most trusted, most uh, supportive elders, that he's not talking about uh, problems, difficulties, challenges, those kinds of things. Uh, so no week is typical. We never have one of those uh, easy times where everybody's doing well and there aren't any things that we have to, to uh, confront. And then a last one is the blurriness of ministry and life. Uh, the writer asks, when does work end and fun begin? And when does going out socially uh, not include uh, ministry if it also includes the people that are involved with you in your ministry context? For example, you show up at a high school football game on a Friday night, you're likely to see a number of your church members there. And while you may have just gone to enjoy the game, uh, they're going to see you as their ministry leader, their pastor, and they're going to engage you in that in that context and in that role. I know that in our first church back years ago, uh, the uh, main store in our part of the community was a Kmart. And my wife often said, never, to, never go to Kmart without your hair combed and your makeup on, because she said, I have never been to Kmart, that I did not run into at least one person who knew me from church, who was a member of our church, who had visited our church, or in some way wanted to, conf to uh, talk with me uh, about church. Now, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, my wife enjoys people, and she didn't mind seeing people at Kmart, but she did find it rather uh, disconcerting that she had to get ready to go to Kmart because she knew when she went there, she was going to be on. So these are some reasons why this work-life balance issue is challenging. The always-on phenomenon, the jack-of-all-trades expectations, the no-week-is-typical mentality, and the blurriness of ministry and life. Now, in order to solve this dilemma, the response that many pastors make and ministry leaders make is just to work more hours. Um, one survey of a thousand ministry leaders showed that most pastors and ministry leaders, about 65% of them indicate they work more than 50 hours a week. So the idea that you're going to resolve these dilemmas by working more hours seems to be the default uh, strategy for a lot of pastors and ministry leaders. Now, before I go on, let me underscore that ministry is hard work. I've talked about that on the podcast before. And ministry sometimes involves long hours, and there is no escaping this. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with expecting a pastor to work 45, 50 hours a week. That's what most people in a church work in their profession, if they're in any kind of professional or leadership responsibility. That is not an unacceptable uh, un, uh, expectation. However, Pushing that up to 55, 60, 65, 70 hours per week and maintaining that or attempting to maintain that pace week after week after week after week is detrimental. It's detrimental to ministry leadership. It's also detrimental to family life. It's certainly detrimental to health. In fact, studies have shown that uh, the more a person works, actually their productivity decreases uh, exponentially with the more time that they're working, not the less time. 
And so the, the answer to these dilemmas of finding work-life balance is not working more hours. It's not getting more efficient in your work so that you can get more done in more time. It's not uh, getting a better app to run your life or finding a new way to use your calendaring uh, program. That's just not the solution. The solutions are actually much deeper. And they cause us to have to address some of the core issues that are driving this time mismanagement and life mismanagement and making us uh, so ineffective in doing this work-life balance as ministry leaders. So what am I talking about? Well, I want to give you about four different categories of uh, real causes of this problem that I want you to work on. The first root cause of failure to have uh, work-life balance is personal insecurity. Now, how do the symptoms of insecurity show up in, um, in, a, in work-life imbalance? Well, first of all, insecure people have an inability to say no without feeling guilty. They just simply can't say no. And because they say yes when they should say no, they find themselves overwhelmed with commitments that they've made and, frankly, commitments that they can't keep. So personal insecurity motivates us to take on tasks we should have never accepted because we're trying to please people and find some sense of security in those accomplishments. Insecurity also motiv uh, motivates the inability to take risks and possibly fail. Insecurity is at the root of what's called analysis paralysis, which means I'm stymied. I'm, I'm not able to get, any, to, to get moving because I'm afraid of doing something and failing, and I don't have enough security in myself and in my relationship with God to simply take a risk and possibly fail. You know, I saw a very, very significant example of this a number of years ago in ministry. Uh, I was working with a person, and uh, he came into ministry leadership and was a bit overwhelmed by the level of expectation and, frankly, criticism that came his way in the role that he was assigned. And as a result of that, he went into a shell. He, he simply stopped producing. He stopped doing. He, he was afraid to do anything because he was afraid of what was going to happen if he did in terms of the blowback, the concern, the criticism that was going to come his way. Now, I knew enough about this situation to know that a lot of what was being said back to him was un, uh, untrue and not helpful. He was actually in a fairly toxic ministry situation. But because of his inexperience, he didn't know that or see that. And he really degenerated into analysis paralysis. Uh, and it was a sad thing whenever I was finally able to get involved with him. Uh, because it was to the point where I think he had realized I can't go on like this and actually eventually stepped out of ministry leadership. Now, in his to his credit, he did not step out of Christian service or Christian faithfulness. He stepped back, got some help, figured out what happened and retooled and came back and was still a productive uh, leader in, in, his, uh, in his setting. But what drove him to that analysis, paralysis, inability to do anything, and that caused him to have just an amazing amount of wasted time and lost time and lost productivity was this, this deep insecurity he felt in terms of his leadership capacities. Another way in personal insecurity affects work-life balance is it, it causes us to have an inability to trust others to make decisions or to do things on our behalf. 
you know, if I, as an executive leader, uh, did everything for myself, uh, first of all, a lot less would get done. And then second of all, um, uh, I, I would be working an untold amount of hours doing a ridiculous amount of work, and I would be diminishing my productivity rather than increasing it. Insecure people can't turn loose of things. They can't trust other people to make decisions. They can't trust other people to act on their behalf. And they know that if they do trust other people and they act on their behalf and things don't go well, it'll blow back on them. And they're so insecure about that dealing with that blowback or that negative negativity that they simply say, I'm, I'm going to hold on to everything. I'm going to control everything. And that leads to a greater work-life imbalance. So the first issue that I want you to address is personal insecurity. Some symptoms of this, the inability to say no, the inability to take risks, the inability to trust others. These are things that contribute to uh, this imbalance we're describing today and not being able to really have a sense of, 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 of balance and, and wholeness in ministry leadership. So how do you develop greater security? Well, may surprise you, theology. Yes, the cure for insecurity is theological. It is the doctrine of the security of the believer. Now, when I started out as a young Christian, uh, I was in a city that had a denominational college from a denomination that did not believe in eternal security. And so this was a big issue in my church and something that I was taught as a, as a young believer was a very important doctrine. But the way it was taught to me was a security of the believer means once saved, always saved. And the focus of that phrasing was always on the always saved part. In other words, once you become a Christian, you don't need to worry about it anymore because you are going to heaven and you will have eternity with God and you will have eternal life and you will always be secure in the future. But one day, one day, a man said to me, Jeff, remember this. The security of the believer means that you are as secure in Jesus Christ right now as you will ever be at any moment in the future. That sentence set off an explosion in my mind, an explosion of theological richness and of practical application to overcome so many of the securities in my life. Because I realized that I am secure in Jesus Christ today. I'm also secure in him for tomorrow and for 10 years from now and for 10,000 years from now. I'm not diminishing or belittling the future part of the security of the believer. I'm just trying to bring it down to a practical reality where you live every day. If you are in Christ, as the Bible describes it, you are secure in him. He has hold of you. He's protecting you. He's caring for you. No harm will befall you apart from that which he allows into your life. You have value. You have worth. You have status, and get this, you have stature. 
not because of who you are or what you've achieved, what you've done, or what other people say about you. You are secure because you are in Christ. Man, meditate on that. Think on that. Let that rich theological reality, security in Jesus Christ, the security of the believer, let that rich theological reality impact the way you live today. Let it impact the decisions you make about life and leadership. And most of all, as a ministry leader, let your security in Christ overcome the propensity you have to be a people pleaser, to try to please people enough that you might feel validated or valued enough that you find a sense of security, well-being, and significance about yourself. Let your security in Jesus Christ eliminate the people-pleasing aspect of ministry leadership that's put you on a treadmill to nowhere on trying to resolve these issues. You are secure in Jesus Christ. Rest in that today as the ground uh, swell from which your personal security emerges. Well, a second root cause of time mismanagement or of life imbalance, ministry life imbalance, is poor self-discipline. Now, I, a few months ago, did an entire podcast on self-discipline, so I'll, I'll just talk about it a little bit today, but only in the context of the symptoms related to this life imbalance we're talking about today. Poor self-discipline leads, first of all, to emotionally driven work patterns. In other words, you work when you feel like it. Now, all of us have parts of the day when we feel more productive, parts of the day when we feel more energetic, parts of the week when we feel like we can get more done. All of us have these life rhythms or life patterns. No problem with that. But self-disciplined leaders rise above emotionally driven work patterns to get their tasks accomplished, whether they feel like it, or not. Sometimes, especially uh, people who preach and teach, mistake adrenaline and panic for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I've actually had people tell me, you know, I really can't prepare my sermon adequately until Saturday night when I feel the pressure to get it done. No, that's adrenaline. That's not the Holy Spirit working in your life. Someone told me years ago, you know, Sunday comes every seven days, and God knows that. He really does. And he can speak to you about your Sunday sermon on Tuesday just as easily as he can on Saturday night because God knows that you have a teaching responsibility coming. Emotionally driven work patterns, though, are more than just when you prepare your sermon or your Bible study. Emotionally driven work patterns cause us to put off distasteful tasks, avoid calling people that we think we might have conflict with on the phone, um, to, uh, to uh, have uh, longer and unproductive meetings because we don't know how to uh, get to the point because we're afraid of some conflict that might emerge within the meeting context. Emotionally driven work patterns are a sign of poor self-discipline, and they cause us to waste a tremendous amount of time, which contributes to this work-life imbalance. 
Another symptom of self-discipline, of poor self-discipline in the workplace is over-spiritualizing our tasks. Now, I believe in spiritualizing our tasks. We are doing ministry. That means we pray over our work and we ask for God's leadership and direction and blessing. It means we depend on and trust uh, in the leading and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It means we seek and hope to find the mind of Christ as we uh, deal with dilemmas that come our way. All of these things are true. But in the context of spiritualizing our tasks, I don't want you to over-spiritualize. What do I mean? I mean using the lack of what you perceive to be spiritual direction or impulse as an excuse for not getting your work done. I come to work every day at Gateway Seminary, and most mornings, not every morning, but most mornings, before I get here, I've spent time in prayer and asked God to lead, guide, and direct my day as I go through it and get his work done. And then I come to work and I get started. And I start having meetings and making contact with people and making decisions and going through my day. And I don't do it only on the days I feel like it or that I feel spiritually energized to do it. No, I do it on every day, believing that God will spiritually be at work in, around, and through me as I've submitted myself to him. And I've already mentioned this one, but another symptom of poor self-discipline is avoiding or putting off distasteful tasks or distasteful uh, 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 issues. This takes up so much time on our schedules because rather than just addressing and dealing with the issue, we put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. Instead of just making the phone call and dealing with the conflict, we put it off, put it off, put it off. And we spend hours thinking about something rather than minutes actually dealing with it. So I want you to work on developing self-discipline. Now, I'd reference you back to that full podcast I did on this issue, but let's remember that self-discipline or self-control is a fruit of the Spirit and that God wants to work with you and in you to bring about greater self-discipline so that you are not working by an emotionally driven impulse, and you are not over-spiritualizing your task, and you are not putting off distasteful tasks, but you are making the choices to work, whether you feel like it or not, to work trusting that the Spirit of God is at work in, around, and through you to get His purposes accomplished, and working to get things done, not just to do what's easy or fun or delightful or pleasant, but to get done what really needs to be done to advance the mission of your cause or organization. Well, a third issue that we struggle with that is at the root of this work-life imbalance is poor self-esteem as it shows up in our work in our work patterns. Now, how what are some symptoms of poor self-esteem uh, in your work patterns? Well, first of all, it's working long hours to gain approval. Now, again, there's times in ministry leadership when we have to work some long hours. I get that. No problem with that. But if you're working long hours just to gain approval so that people will like you, appreciate you, notice you, uh, recognize you, that's a symptom that something is wrong with where you're drawing your esteem and your value as a person. Uh, Related to this symptom is also working long hours to justify our role 
since we really have a hard time measuring our product. I will admit that some days in ministry leadership, I would like to just work on an assembly line where I knew that I had to produce 500 widgets at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, if there were 503, I had a good day. And if there were 495, I had a bad day. But that is not the way most ministry <laughs> days work. We don't produce a, a tangible product, something that's always measurable at the end of the day. You, you say, well, I'm, I'm making disciples, I'm helping people grow, I'm strengthening families, I'm counseling troubled people. Yes, all of that is very significant and valuable and hard to measure in terms of progress. So we work long hours and we uh, try to gain approval and we try to justify ourselves by the time we work because we don't have any other way to measure our productivity. Part of this is just work, working to stay busy or look busy rather than be productive. I once had a pastor tell me, true story, I once had a pastor tell me that on Saturdays he would drive his car to the church building and park it and then walk home and watch college football so that people would see his car and think he was working. He did this and somehow weirdly justified it in his own mind because he said, well, there was a lot of time during the week that I was working that no one saw me. And so I didn't think it was inappropriate to set up a scenario where people saw me working when I really wasn't. It was sort of an even trade off. Well, that kind of duplicity is on the surface ridiculous, but deeper than that reveals a serious problem with this guy's self-esteem and really personal integrity. So if you are working long hours to try to gain approval or you're working extra time uh, just to justify your role because time spent at work is the only way you have to measure your productivity or you are working to uh, or you're working to just look busy rather than actually be productive. Well, your life work imbalance is going to show up very quickly. And that's not driven by the fact that you don't know how to make a schedule. It's driven by the fact that. Your self-esteem is low and you're doing whatever you have to do to feel good about yourself and to get other people to give you approval in that context. Look, life work balance in ministry is challenging. But it's more challenging when you fail to look beneath the surface at some of the issues that are driving this in your life, like personal insecurity, poor self-discipline, poor self-esteem. I'm challenging you today to look beneath the surface and to see what's really driving me, what's causing me to have this imbalance, and what do I need to do to correct some things about me and who I am in terms of my security and self-discipline and sources of esteem so that I might be a better and more balanced ministry leader. And as a part of that, you're going to have to reject what I call some myths about the ministry. The first one is, I must always be available. I'm indispensable. Well, you're not indispensable. In fact, uh, there's a famous French general who supposedly once said, the cemetery is full of indispensable men. You're not always available, and you're not indispensable. It is all right to say, I need a few hours break, and I'm turning off my phone. I'm not checking email or looking at text. It's fine to do that. Second myth, I must please everyone or meet everyone's expectations. That is impossible. That is a physical, spiritual, 
emotional impossibility. You cannot please everyone. And it's a myth if you think you're going to. I was reading this morning in the Gospels, and the story said that the Jesus' critics were looking for a way to critique him, to attack him. What did he do wrong? Oh, he healed a man on the Sabbath. He healed someone, and his critics found a way to go after him. It won't matter what you do, you will never please everyone. And then another myth that really troubles me is leaders who tell me, I must harm myself, my health, my family. I must harm myself in some way to prove my devotion. Listen, you may harm yourself by some intensive season of ministry leadership. I understand that. There are those moments where you have to work extra and you lose sleep. You have to sacrifice time with your family. I get that. But that's for a season, not for a lifetime. So if you have a life pattern that says, I have to harm myself in order to demonstrate or prove my devotion, I think you are serving a harsh taskmaster and you have a, a warped view of God and what he expects of you. And I would challenge you to take a giant step back and reevaluate that perspective. Well, today we've talked about maintaining work-life balance in ministry. I borrowed from an article that I found on Baptist Press about several issues related to why this is so. But I've tried to help you to think deeper than that. What's causing me to have this work-life imbalance? What's driving me that makes it so difficult for me to come to grips with this kind of balance in the work that we do and the lives that we live? It's challenging, but I want you to look beneath the surface and work on uh, personal security, self-discipline, and self-esteem. I want you to find in those three areas spiritual resources that inform you, that change your behavior, that shift your perspective, that give you a new mentality or a new way of seeing life and ministry. And as you work on those core issues, I think you'll see that balance becomes easier to manage when the core issues that are driving that imbalance are being addressed and perhaps even resolved. Along the way, you may have to reject some of these myths about the ministry. That'll make you a better ministry leader who's dealing with truth and reality, not operating uh, out of these false myths. Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Life, ministry, you can do it in balance. You'll never get it perfect, but you can do it well as you lead on. <laughs>